later, my dad uh, was an alcoholic, and he had his own law firm, and there were many times that I could not see my dad as the provider that I wish he would have been in my life. And as I got older, the situation grew more and more dire, and eventually my mom approached us and said, it looks like we're going to be losing our home. And it was a very sad day in our life. I had a little sister who was about six years younger, and she wrote a letter to a person we used to call Uncle Bill. He really was a fake uncle, but he lived in New York and he was very wealthy. And my little sister wrote him a letter and told him about our situation. And this man was very, very generous. And he said, I want to give you the money to be able to stay in your home. And it was a substantial amount of money. And it was a really and truly an answer to prayer because <clears throat> every day for years I would pray to my Heavenly Father and say, please let this stop and let my life be okay. But um, I didn't understand that he would provide in a completely different way. So at that time, I was put on an airplane and I went to New York City and went to my uncle's office. And I remember going into his office and he had a big safe on the wall and he opened the safe and pulled out wads of $100 bills. And he filled up a duffel bag. And I went back on an airplane. This is before they had airport security. And I was just holding on to my money. And I went, uh, got back on an airplane and went home and delivered a huge duffel bag fill, filled with $100 bills uh, to my mom and we were able to stay in our house and that was just such a, a moment for me of understanding how God shows up for us when I did become a Christian which was really quite a bit later in life it was easy for me to desire to give my first fruits to the Lord because I already had so much trust in him and understanding that truly he was my provider and I could count on him and then when I was in my early 30s, I got married and actually led my husband to the Lord. And we got transferred to a place in Atlanta, Georgia. And we started going to a church that was a brand new church. And they really didn't have much of anything. They didn't have a worship team or a worship leader. And in those days, we'd put tapes on as loud as they'd go. And that would be worship. And I remember the pastor one day said, I met a man who would be such a wonderful worship leader, and I'm really sensing we're supposed to hire him, but unless we can come up with one year salary, I just think it would be a bad financial decision. So we met as a church, and we were on our knees praying, and I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, you're the one. And it took me a while to comprehend that, but I started just kind of running this in my head and thinking, well, Lord, if we gave up our entire 401k and everything we had in savings, we might get close to that amount. But how would I even begin to tell my husband the story that I heard from you? And we're supposed to give everything we have away. So I went home, and it must have been so much harder for my truly amazing husband, because for me, I heard the voice of the Lord, and it was an act of obedience, but for him, he had to really trust that his wife knew what she was talking about, had really heard, and he agreed, so we cashed in everything we had, 
and gave it to the church, and we were able to hire the worship leader and pay pretty close to his first year salary. And one thing I want you to understand is it kind of sounds like sacrificial giving, but when I look back at that story, it actually wasn't because we never missed a meal. We had a home. We still went on vacations. Our life was wonderful. And God just taught us that we could trust him and that he was our provider and that when he tells us to do something, he's going to equip us. And we always had more than enough. So as we're going through this series on generosity, I encourage you, it could be something like your time or a gift that you have, or it could be money. It doesn't matter. It's just a matter of listening to his voice, being obedient, and doing what he tells you to do. So I encourage you to take that time to listen to his voice. And when he tells you to give something or do something, do it, because I promise you he's going to do way more for you, and it will be a joyful experience. Thanks for letting me share that. Well, that was way better in the first service. I'll tell you, they were not really with it. But they got, they got there. They got there, which is a good thing. For those of you who may not know me, my name is David Miller. My wife Kathy and I moved here from Atlanta, Georgia, about almost two years ago. And uh, just a little aside, Kathy was talking about uh, being in Atlanta, Georgia. This is how sm the small this world is. She was in the same town we were in, and I knew her pastor and was in a pastor's prayer group with her pastor for a number of years. And that church that she helped way back when is now this great big church that God is using in, in just wonderful ways to touch people all around the area. And so that, that's just a, a great story, and her pastor is a great guy. Keith Moore is his name, and uh, I just feel privileged to have that connection. Just sort of one of those small world things. Well, today, um, she had mentioned earlier that we were in the, sort of at the tail end of this, this series of messages, and I'm going to do what you call a one-off message. In other words, this is just a one-shot deal. It's not part of the series, um, but Charlie had asked me to speak uh, to kind of lay the groundwork for GDP, and you may have seen the little brochures out here in the entryway or over by the, uh, the coffee area. Uh, GDP is coming on Friday. Get a, get a little uh, promo here. Coming on Friday night from 6 to 9. I don't know if you have signed up or not, but if you're free, I'd strongly encourage you to come. I think it's going to be a great time. We're going to have a good meal, and then there are going to be four sets of speakers. Uh, Charlie's going to speak. Daniel's going to speak. John Hammes is going to speak. And then Kathy, my wife, and I are going to speak. Um, so we're not going to have long speaking times, just so you know. So don't be overwhelmed by that. Um, but just encourage you to come because I think it'll be a good time to help us uh, kind of sink our roots deeper into our relationship with Christ. Um, today, we're going to look at a text from Matthew's Gospel, the uh, seventh chapter. And if you want to open up your Bible in the seat in front of you, or you can look at it in the screen. Um, and I want to read it just to kind of refresh your memory if, it, if it's not real familiar with you. Uh, it comes to us from Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. And the title uh, that is at the top of my page on my Bible says, The Wise and Foolish Builders. So that kind of sets the scene for where we're going. Listen to God's word. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. This is God's word to us. Will you please bow with me in prayer as we come before the Lord? Lord, we come together this morning to worship. We've sung wonderful songs about how you are our rock and our shield and our strength. And now we look into your word and we pray that you will speak to our heart and our mind. We admit that uh, we come into this room some of us with certain things on our mind that may be distracting to us, that we may be sort of focusing on, and we pray that you help us to keep those thoughts at bay, that we might truly focus on your message to us this morning, because you have a message for us in this text. And so we come, humbly as we are. Speak, Lord. For your servants are listening. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I want to begin by asking you a question to ask yourself. Do you remember in your life, it may have been some time ago, it may have been recently, where you had a teacher or a mentor, a coach, maybe a band director or, or a choral director, um, that just breathed life into you? Uh, the, the kind of person that um, was there for you when you maybe had a failure and they built you back up and they encouraged you. The kind of person who was there for you when you were going along but you needed sort of a push or a nudge or an encouragement. The kind of person who was there to be in a support, a caregiver. The kind of person who may have been there to challenge you and to push you a direction that you really didn't want to go, but you probably needed to go. I can think back over my life, a, a number of people like that in my life. One of the first ones that comes to my mind was one of my elementary school teachers, Mrs. Osborne. I was a struggling student, and she kind of took me under her wing and Help me through that tough time. I can think of two particular people during my 36 years of ministry that were what I would call ministry mentors, Bob and Archie. They were the kind of guys that were there for me in the times when things were going great, and they were there for me when things were not going well at all. They were the kind of guys that would challenge me and push me and encourage me, and yet at the same time sort of care for me. And then there were my parents. How thankful I am for godly parents who, who gave me a picture of a model of what it meant to be a responsible adult, 
but also a follower of Jesus at the same time. How about you? I would be willing to bet that every single one of you have at least one and probably more than one person like that in your life. That's the kind of person Jesus was and is and can be for us today. You know, I think we think of Jesus as a great man, and, and we think of him as, as a wonderful teacher, which he was. We think of him as a, a leader and a guider. Uh, but, but I want you to see, he can make a difference more than anyone else in this world, more than all those other persons that may have come to your mind. As we look at this text, what I want you to see from Matthew 7 is he's teaching us the great teacher, if you will. And he begins this text, and, and he contrasts two different types of people. He contrasts the wise builder and the foolish builder. And listen to what we read almost at the very end, the next to last verse that I read in verse 28. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. The crowds knew this wasn't just your average rabbi. This person was different. And if you would continue on a few more chapters into Matthew's gospel in chapter 13, you'll see that as he taught, and he taught in the synagogue, and there were a large group of people there, and they began to be amazed at his teaching, much like this. And they even began to ask more questions like, isn't this the carpenter's son? I mean, this is just the son of a carpenter. How can he teach like this? How can he be so wise? What is it about him? And what I want you to see is Jesus was like a magnet that drew people to him. People who were kind of on the edge of their seats waiting for every word that he was to say because they didn't want to miss anything. He taught so that they could live. You know, a teacher is only effective if the student is willing to listen. And that's the first thing that I want you to see in this text. And that is that we need to listen in order to learn. I think it's fair to say that the majority of us would rather speak than listen. Don't you, don't you think that's fairly true? Most of us are better speakers than listeners. We would much rather share our thoughts, our story, our joys, our sorrows, our frustration than to listen to someone else's. And if you're like me, when you find yourself in a conversation with someone, it is not unusual for me in the middle of the conversation for my mind to start spinning thinking about what's my next great point what am I going to say next how am I going to add to this conversation the problem with that is in the midst of all that you're no longer listening at all you're not listening at all or I should I say I'm not listening at all I believe we need to stop talking so much and stop allowing our mind to get too far ahead of us and instead we need to start listening more. 
You know, I love the Old Testament book of Proverbs. If you go back to the, the particular book, in, this particular book in the Old Testament, it contains these short little pithy wisdom statements. And listen to one that comes to my mind in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 27. Stop listening to instructions, my son or daughter, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. Did you catch that? If we are so busy speaking and talking and we stop listening, we're going to miss the knowledge that is right there for us. And that applies to this text. We need to stop and listen to the knowledge that Christ has for us in this story. This story is about two different builders. The story is about how one person built on this rock and it stood firm. Another person built on this sand and when the winds and the rains and the waves came, it was totally destroyed. It's a story about how to build, but not so much a building. It's much deeper than that. It's a story about how we are to build our life. Listen to what Matthew says to us in the 24th verse of his text. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the man who has built his house on a rock. I, I really believe what Je one thing that Jesus is saying in this text is he's saying that we, you and I, need to listen in order to learn. If you were to continue to read in Matthew's Gospel, the 11th chapter, you'd see that Jesus, again, is teaching this large crowd of people. He's teaching about John the Baptist, but he's also teaching about himself. And he writes these words, whoever, who, whoever has ears, let him hear. So my next question for you to ask yourself is this. Are you listening? Are you listening to the greatest teacher of all time? Not just a teacher, but the Son of God. Are you listening to what he's trying to teach you here? It has been said, take a tip from nature. Your ears aren't made to shut, but your mouth is. Friends, we need to stop talking so much, and we need to start listening more. And the reality is, we need to listen so that we can learn, and then we can teach. Whether you want to admit it or not, every single one of us are teachers. We teach the younger people ar around us. If you have a family and children, Whatever you do, you're a teacher. You may not like it, but it's just a reality. Uh, my kids are foster parents. Our kids that live in Glenwood are foster parents. And uh, earlier this week, uh, my son-in-law said something, and all of a sudden, the two-year-old mimicked it. And if that's a good thing, that's fine. But if it's not, it's a new word in his vocabulary. We are all teachers. The question is, what kind of teacher are you? And what are you teaching? You're teaching 
a friend, you're teaching a loved one, you're teaching a neighbor, you're teaching a coworker, you're teaching a fellow student, you're teaching everyone around you. And part of teaching is being a good listener. We need to listen to each other, and we need to listen to God's word as he speaks to us through it. So let me give you a couple suggestions of how you can build the foundation, the good foundation, in which to build your life on. It begins with listening, but let me give you two other suggestions. Draw a picture. Draw a picture. If I'm asked to give directions to go someplace, I have been told that I give too much information. Not just once I've been told that. I've been told that another number of times. Let me give you an illustration. If I were going to explain to you how to get from here to our home, this is how you would do it. You come out of the parking lot, and you have a choice. You can turn right or to left. You can go left. So you go left, and you pass the elementary school. You pass the middle school. You come to a red light, right? That's Route 133. You're going to turn right. Now, you're going to go down that for quite a ways, and you're going to bear around past the Lutheran Church on the right, and you're going to pass Wells Fargo Bank on the left, and you're going to come into a rotary. You're going to take the second one, second exit off the rotary, and you're going to continue on 133, right? So you go down 133, you're going to pass Alpine Bank on the right, you're going to pass another bank on the left, you're going to come to another light. The second light, you're going to come to Route 82. You're going to go left. You're going to go toward Glenwood. Now, you're going to follow that at a good speed, like, like 82. You kind of get it and go, right? And you're, you're zipping down. You go up a hill. You go kind of a, a slight turn to the right. And then you come down a hill, and you're going to pass the, uh, uh, you're going to pass, what is it, Cattle Creek on this side. And then you're going to go a little farther. You're going to go past the Restore Center, and you're going to come to another light. And that's, you get my point? What am I doing? I'm drawing you a picture. Hopefully a clear picture, a picture that can be understood. And what I want you to see is that is exactly what Jesus is doing in this text. He's drawing us a picture, hopefully that's understandable. He, he's not using some 50-cent theological terms to uh, describe what he's trying to teach. He's not uh, trying to say things that the local rabbis and teachers of the law would be impressed by. He's simply drawing a picture that's understandable. Do you remember the story in Matthew or Mark chapter 4 called the sower and the seed? Now let me refresh your memory. He draws this picture. He tells the story of this farmer that's sowing seed and he throws the seed out and the first part falls on this path and it's eaten by the birds. Another part of the seed falls on this rocky path, and it sprouts up, but then the, the sun scorches it, and it dies. But some of the seed falls upon the thorns, and the thorns kind of grow up, and they choke it out. But then at the very end, he says some of it falls on good soil, and it springs up, and it produces good fruit. And then he ends by saying, he who has ears, let him hear. Friends, if you want to build the firm foundation for a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ, you've got to draw a picture.
We need to follow Jesus' example. What's your picture look like that you're drawing? Is it a picture of God's amazing grace? Is it a picture of God's forgiveness? Is it a picture of God's wondrous love? What's your picture look like? Is it a picture of one who follows Jesus in the good times as well as in the hard times? Is it a picture of the kind of person uh, that follows Jesus consistently and authentically? The way we live our life becomes a visual picture of what it means to follow Jesus. The words that we use, the actions that we do, or the words that we don't use, or the actions that we don't do. What's your picture like? Is it encouraging and affirming to others? Is your picture consistent? What is your picture like? Do you encourage or discourage? I want to give you a challenge. Draw your own picture. One that's simple and clear and understandable. That's the first way to build the firm foundation. The second way is this. Take action. You know, it's not enough just to listen and then learn. It's not enough just to draw a picture. Those things need to be translated into action. We, uh, Kathy and I, have a membership at the Glenwood Rec Center. And uh, I have a goal that I've set for myself, and that is to get to the rec center three times a week to lift weights and to walk the track. Now, I realize that I gave up any thought of being multimuscular a long time ago. That, that, that ship has sailed a long time ago. My point and my purpose is to stay in good shape and to be healthy. My goal is three times a week. What good is the goal if I never get to the gym? Now, there are times when I make my three times a week, great. And there are other weeks when I don't. And when I don't, I don't just give up and say, oh, blew it that week, done deal, missed the goal, so be it. No, I try again. And I try again. And I think that's the kind of principle that we can use in this particu- from this particular text. There are hundreds of thousands of people around the world that have heard and listened to the stories of Jesus. And it's not that they don't understand them. The question is, what do they do once they hear them? Or the better question is, what do you do when you hear them? Back to our text, verse 26. Jesus teaches and he says, But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. What I want you to see is 
Jesus is calling each and every one of us who are seeking to follow him, he's calling us to action. He's not interested in us just gaining head knowledge. He wants us to act, to build that firm foundation so that we can grow deeper and deeper in our relationship with him. I remember a quote from a, a message I heard a number of years ago from a pastor in Dallas, a pastor of a, basically a megachurch. His name's Matt Chandler. And I don't even remember what the message was about. I don't remember what the text was that he used, but I remember one particular quote that he had. He said, we are experts of gathering information, but what do we do with it? Think about it for a minute. I don't know about you, but I feel like much of our world today is just information overload. Way too much information, way too many choices. But here's the question. We are gathering information as we look and study God's word. The question is, what do we do with it? Are we putting it into action? Let me give you three or a, a couple practical action steps for what you can do in order to build that firm foundation to go deeper in your relationship with Christ. First of all, read. And I think reading is, is kind of undersold in our day and our age because we're so busy watching, watching the screen, watching the TV, getting all of our information off the Internet. We're not necessarily reading, but what I want to encourage you is to read God's Word. This isn't just a book like another book. This is God's Word. And I want to encourage you to read it daily. And if you miss a day, it's okay. God is gracious. It's all right. And so here's my challenge to you this day. I want to challenge you to go starting today or tomorrow to the New Testament book of Mark, Matthew, Mark, the second book in the New Testament. And I want to challenge you to read a chapter a day. And if you do that, in two weeks and two days, you'll finish the book. Now, don't just read that chapter like right before you go to bed so you're nodding off and you're missing most of it. That's not the best time to do that. Maybe you do it right when you get up. Maybe you do it at a different time. Maybe you do it in, in your car because you have kids and you don't have any quietness at your house. Maybe you go into your own particular room. I have like a little study in my room or, or in our home, and uh, I have a little chair there and Sometimes I have my quiet moments in that chair or maybe in a different part of the house. But read God's word. This past week I was having my quiet moments in the book of James, which is a little short book in the New Testament. And there was one particular verse that just sort of leaped off the pages to me as I was reading it. And it was James chapter 4, verse 8. And it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You know, sometimes it doesn't matter how long or how short your relationship with Christ has been, it's easy to get off track. And this particular text reminded me, draw near, and he will draw near to you. So first action step to, to building that firm foundation is read. Second is listen. Uh, Paul wrote, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome in Romans chapter 8, 
And he wrote, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You know, when we come to that point in our life, when we recognize that life is not all about me, it's not all about my happiness, it's not all about my family, it's not all about my career, when we come to that point where we know that we need something more and something's missing, and we realize that something is Jesus Christ that God provided for us, when we make that commitment, God's Spirit comes into our life and He dwells in us. And as this text says, His Spirit is in us so that we can be sons and daughters of God. And God's Spirit prompts us and nudges us and pushes us and speaks to us. When I was having my quiet moments this week, that particular text, I really am convinced that God's Spirit was speaking to me Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. In your quiet moments, in your prayer time, in your reading of God's word, draw near to God and trust and listen. Third action step is this. Welcome. Welcome the insights of others. You, you come to a decision point in your life and you're not quite sure where to go or how to proceed. You can try to make that completely on your own. You can take it to the Lord in prayer, which is, I strongly encourage. You can also be vulnerable enough to open yourself up to another person's opinion. A person that you trust. A person who might be able to give insight that you might not see. I want to encourage you. You want to build the firm foundation for growing deeper with your relationship with God. It's not all about you. It's not all about me. Welcome others into it. And the last one is attend. And I know this is a bit of a promo, but I want to encourage you to attend GDP. It's one night. It'll be a time in which hopefully you will get some ideas of how you can grow deeper in your relationship with Christ and how you can build that firm foundation that will be able to sustain the waves and the winds and the rains of life because, folks, they come to all of us. Jesus teaches us in this text. I remember some time ago a commercial on television, I... It's one of those things, I don't remember what the commercial was for. I don't remember when it was, but there was a particular thing that stuck out in my mind. They were asking a young man this question, and it was, my dad asked me, the young man says, wouldn't you like to be a doctor? And the young man responded, who would teach the doctor? Friends, Jesus teaches us through his word how we can build that firm foundation 
So listen in order to learn and draw a picture and take action. You know, we're going to receive Holy Communion now. It's open to all, whether you're a regular attender of the orchard or not, it's open to you. If you know Christ and have committed your life to him and you recognize the sacrifice that he's made on your behalf, you are welcome to come to receive the wafer that represents his body that's broken for you, to receive the juice that symbolizes the blood, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. As you come to this table and as you take it, I want to encourage you to go back to your seat, sit for a moment, and ask God, what do I need to do to go deeper? What do I need to do to build that firm, strong foundation? Listen, and then take action. Thank you.